Welcome back to the Balanced Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinthigton. Always excited to be in the space with you. Take a breath. This one is serious. Put your headphones in. Buckle up, baby, because we are going on a ride. Our next guest has a story that too many families relate to in secret shame weighted under the blanket of grief, loss, and jaggedly steered emotional roller coasters. Author and phenomenal woman, who also happens to be alive, Tasha Van Howe boldly stepped outside of herself to write a novel pinned under the title, Miss Me Always. For anyone who has ever experienced loss or struggled with infertility or the adoption vortex. A personal tale of tragedy and triumph that love helped her conquer. It is a pleasure to introduce and connect you with her today. Tasha, welcome to the BBP. How are you today? Good morning, or for me, I guess I should say good afternoon. Thank you for having me today. I am doing well. Um, I have my coffee next to me and I'm ready to go. Which is awesome. And I I think you need that coffee today with a full day of sharing your story, your journey, your love and your loss with so many people today. I know you're on a full on press tour because of this beautiful book that you've penned that is really, truly written from your heart. I would love for you to just take a few moments and share with everyone listening why you wrote this book and why now? Why share it with the world? I... I wasn't going to write the book, to be honest. Uh, I had a lot of people tell me that we needed to share our story. And it was after kind of reaching in within within myself, can I do it? Do I have the ability to relive this again? I said yes. And that reason was during all of our struggles, it's a very lonely place to be. And I figured this would be a book that I would have wanted to have available to me to make me feel seen and heard and not alone. So I, I did write Miss Me Always. It is the story of my husband and I and our, our love story, which has persevered our um, journey of start, starting a family. And we've done our due diligence. We did IVF, donor eggs, private adoption, and we did have our son um, almost full term, but he passed shortly after. Yeah. Uh, people don't know that stillbirth for the kind of high level umbrella term uh, is something that happens with too many families and no one talks about it. Mm. And you took you and your husband both, because I'm sure you were in alignment to publicly have these conversations, which has to be challenging on so many levels. You're you're almost reliving those experiences over and over and over again, and you don't get desensitized. (laughs) That's, you know, for anyone who thinks that you just let time pass or you talk about it enough, it won't feel as raw. No, it always feels raw and you always feel it in your soul, but you lean into a different version of your power, different level of your power when you talk about it, knowing that you're giving hope to some other family who is struggling with something that they've never been able to talk about or didn't think that they could actually experience. Because again, no one, including the physicians, tell you about the possibility of this happening. So I just wanted to honor you for a moment and really thank you for sharing your truth 
because it is hard. There's so many of us talking about all the materials and all the great things happening in our world on IG, Facebook, TikTok, wherever else in the world, but there's not enough of us talking about what's really going on behind the scenes. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yes, it, it is true. I, I, you know, I say that infertility in, in general um, and baby loss is something of it, you know, it's taboo, really. Nobody really wants to talk about it. They might feel uncomfortable about it or, you know, they might look almost frown upon you for bringing up such a sad subject. But Mm -hmm. if you're going through it, this is your life and you may not want to talk about what the weather is like. You might need a minute where you need that support. So writing the book definitely was difficult. I wrote it through a lot of tears, a lot of moments where I wanted to give up. Um, Luckily I did have my husband by my side and and friends who, who, who pushed me to keep going. And it was in those moments that again, I I said, if if it can help one person, then I'm going to do it. Wasn't easy, but I did it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm curious for the listener's sake who don't have the opportunity to be in the room with you and ask these questions. As you were maneuvering through all of the deep levels of pain and still trying to be a human and, you know, be able to laugh over spilled tea and, and not feel horrible that you were laughing at something or enjoying or having a good girlfriend moment or whatever other things might have been happening simultaneously in your lived experience. How were you able to process and, and I say and, A and D in parentheses, and be a human, right? Like how, because that's hard to do for most of us when we're willing to admit that surrender is messy (laughs) and it's a gut-wrenching process, but you still have life, lifing on the other side, how are you able uh, for yourself individually and then also as a couple to still navigate the world? Uh, Well, individually uh, for me, I, I've always been a very outgoing person. I love being with people. I love talking to people and being holed up in the room or being, you know, under this very dark cloud. I knew that that wasn't me and I missed that person. So I knew I needed to find her again. And you're right. At times when I would laugh, if something was funny, I would laugh. Would I find guilt in that? Yes, I would. But I also knew that that was a healing part of the healing process and being able to move on. Um, when I would laugh or have those moments, I would actually think to myself, I can do this. I just laughed. I just had a moment. I can do this. As far as being a part of a couple, um, you know, as I'm struggling through it, there are moments where I didn't want to be part of this world anymore. And, mm-hmm. um, my dark thoughts were, I don't want to be here. It was my husband that really was my saving grace. He's, I, I say he's sort of my lifeline, um, because I would look at him and I would see the struggles that he was also going through. And I knew that, you know, I, I, I couldn't do that to him. He had already been through so much and I wanted to honor him and the marriage and the vows that we took. And I would, I would push through. Yeah. And that, and that, that in and of itself speaks volumes, Tasha, because when you're in a vortex of any kind, it's very hard to see anyone else outside of the pain, right? The vortex of adoption and all of the frustration and the paperwork and the triple, triple, triple checking and the money and all of the hope to be let down, like that whole emotional roller coaster, 
in and of itself is a vortex and you have multiple vortex vortexes. I don't even know if that's a plural, but we're going to roll with it <laughs> that were happening simultaneously. And the deepest one was the disconnect that was happening from yourself to not want you to be here mm-hmm. on this planet and to be able to pour into so many other souls, men and women alike, because to your point, people forget about the men. Mm-hmm. The men have also felt they grieve in a different way than we do t- traditionally. There are some outliers, but traditionally they grieve in a different way than us, but they still feel and there's still something happening. And you looked at the pain in your husband's eyes and what he was already dealing with all of the vortexes like you were and saying to yourself, I don't want to add to his pain. And that's bold for you to, to bring yourself up into that moment. That's not just brave and courageous. That is bold because it takes a, almost a level of furiousness with yourself to honor someone else when you're in such a deep pain. And that's really hard for people to do. It it wasn't easy. Um, yeah. I don't think it came naturally at first, but seeing his pain caused me to have more pain. And that just wasn't a place that I wanted to be and wanted to live in. So I knew that I had to make wise choices and I knew I had to figure it out. Uh, do I still get sad and frustrated? Absolutely. Um, but I now I have learned how to navigate through those feelings better and also um, open myself up and reach out to people, whether it is my husband or my best friends. Yeah. You know, people can be extremely valuable in those moments. Absolutely. Um, and when they're betraying you because they don't understand or they don't want to hear it again, or they, they feel like to your earlier point that having a sad moment is you should cut it out. Like nobody needs that right now. You're changing the mood. Um, one of the best gifts you can give yourself, in my opinion, is being intentionally selfish enough to honor what you're really feeling and whatever that looks like, regardless of whether people who you love, who are good people, who you trust, who, who love you back. But in that moment, if they can't handle it, you mind your business and you still allow yourself to move through whatever feelings need to flow. Absolutely. That was one of the difficult parts for me. I'm um, a yes person and mm-hmm. I, you know, I always want to be there for somebody. I want to say yes to what they need. Um, and I had to learn how to, you know, jokingly say no and not worry mm-hmm. about what it was that they were feeling. Because for me, I had, like you said, I had to be selfish about that. I'm the one who's healing and I need to take care of my health and whether it's physical or mental, I'm the one who needed to do that. And that's the only way I was going to get through. So I had to learn that, um, still work on that sometimes, but it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a difficult journey, especially if you're a yes person. Yeah. Um, and I relate to that. I was a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I remember saying it in the interview, oh my goodness, uh, well over, 13, 14, 15 years ago, um, it was a 27 plus person interview. They were all at the round table. Talk about a hammer right? yeah. <laughs> in, that, in that moment. And I remember, I can't, I don't even know the exact question, but whatever the question was, was like, you know, can, do you feel like it's possible for you to do this, this, that, and the third, you know, all these high level responsibilities for this double director position that I was interviewing for because I'm ridiculous on all the levels. Um, 
And I remember saying so proudly in that moment, well, I'm a people pleaser. So, (laughs) and I said it with such confidence and people received it with glee because of course they were going to be the benefactors of this people pleasing Nikita. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how unhealthy that had been for me, let alone would be for me for the next year plus until I started to release myself from it. And honestly, becoming an entrepreneur helped me do that. Not right away. It was baby steps because it's a muscle like, you know, you feel really empowered and afraid simultaneously when you first do it. And you get a little bit more comfortable each time. And then there's moments when you backslide again to, oh, no, I shouldn't be doing this. But it's like a muscle like anything else. Sometimes your brain is telling you, don't work the muscle, just lay in the bed, be comfortable, right? (laughs) Just default because it's easier because it's what you know, even if that easy is painful Mm -hmm. in its own way. But I really wanted the muscle and that was really hard for me too. So I hear you. Mm -hmm. My adult children think no is my favorite word now. And I'm like, no, that's not true. It's just boundaries. Boundaries, yes. I've, I've, <laughs> I found my boundaries. I've learned them and it's okay. Yeah. It's absolutely yes. okay. Um, because in doing so, I feel like I, I'm happier. Mm. I felt that. Yes. You get to be happier when your world gets more expansive because it's less focused on the needs of other people. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you're not still a giving, loving, nurturing human, right? Like you still get to do all those things, but now you get to do it from an authentic place and not just a place of expectation. Uh, Yes. Huge difference. Huge difference. When you finished the book and you were like, ah, oh my God, (laughs) I don't know if that happened at the end of manuscript moment or when the manuscript was sent off to publish or, you know, what part of the journey you felt that like, oh my God, I actually put all of myself into this. When you think about that moment and take yourself back, were you thinking that you wanted the readers to have a specific gift from it? or the gift of just knowing they weren't alone. And I don't say just to minimize, but was it more of something specific that's in your head or just, I want people to know they're not alone. Definitely the part of not being alone. I will, So my moment was at three 30 in the morning when I finished it and I stared at the computer and went, I don't, I don't understand. Am I done? I had to question myself <laughs> because <laughs> I have been working on this for two years and suddenly I was done it was kind of surreal. And then I woke up my husband and we, you know, cheers and had some apple cider. And then when he went back to bed, so that was my (laughs) moment. Um, the message behind the book is, is all, is definitely a part as part of not being alone. I, I felt alone. I researched books and groups that would help me. And I found groups, but I did not find books. Um, Mm. and that was hard. So I don't want, and I say people, because again, it's not just women, it's men and women to not feel alone, but also, um, to look within yourself and trust your journey. Your, the end of your journey may not be what you thought it was, but there is life to be lived and life to be had. So if you don't have children at the end, or you miss this person that was a part of your life, honor them by living your life. And also yeah. for couples, you know, look to your partner. That was the first person you chose to spend your life with. And if you allow infertility to sort of dictate your relationship, then 
you're you're bound for you know i don't know some something sad um but if you, a, a, a less blissful experience yes yeah. yes but if you hold on to that love that you guys had and you remember why you wanted to start a family with that person then you can come out ahead yeah yeah, that's it. Makes a lot of sense, and I can tell you, as a balance and relationship advisor that works with a lot of power couples, this is not a unheard of thing, and it's not a small thing, and it can ruin. And I mean that literally. Some of the most beautiful love stories mm-hmm. because it, you start to fixate on what is it instead of really giving yourself the the privilege and the grace to look at all of it. It's not an either or. It's yes, I hurt. Yes, there is a void. Yes, there was a love or a potential love that didn't get to flourish and bloom through our womb or through the womb experience of adopting, you know, all of those things. And, and I live in that space of A and D on purpose. And all of it is beautiful just as much as it's brutal. But if you only look at the brutality, who wants to lift their head from that? Who right. wants to go on a vacation with their lover after that? Like who wants to laugh out loud without the guilt? If all you feel is the brutalness, but you don't also soak in the beauty. Yeah. And I like that you say soak in the beauty um, through the brutality and a hundred percent. If I didn't stop and look at my husband for a minute and think, here's this amazing and supportive man who I love um, and just just breathed and looked at him and, and remembered that love, we may not be here where we are today. I, I knew I loved him. I was, you know, we're high school sweethearts, but I didn't know the expanse that it could be and how much more I could fall in love with him. Yeah, I know that's right. And my forever lovers, my soul have too. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm right there with you. We've been rolling since 13, like listen. <laughs> I've been with my husband since 16. So yes. Right. Now I'm I'm with you. Well, we were only friends at 13. I will be honest and say that I wasn't that expansive in my love knowledge. I love love, but we didn't start dating until senior year, which was 17. So I had to wait till I had a body, Tasha. Okay. He wasn't trying to have it until I had some shape. I, I, I didn't have I mean, shape at 13. 13. So you have you have the excuse. We're good. <laughs> I didn't have much to offer in that <laughs> venue. <laughs> So when you so had that confidence, you were ready to go. Yeah. Oh, child, <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> a whole nother episode. <laughs> what? I, I like to remind him, you lucky. You caught me while I was young. Oh. Yeah, you got me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell that to Jeff all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Come on, Jeff. You better know it. <laughs> you better know it. I know you listening to this episode oh, right yes. now. <laughs> Well, Tasha, when you're not writing and inspiring and on tour, how are you giving yourself permission to pause? I, when I feel myself feeling overwhelmed, I will, it may be bad, but I don't care if my house is in disarray. Uh, I, I will stop, take a minute, make myself a cup of tea, and I will watch mm. something on TV just to numb my mind. And that is my pause. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm about that life. It, for me, it'll be something ratchet reality show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Mine is like, more as a housewife. <laughs> I think mine is more in the the moment. If you know, I'm having a really bad day and I'm raging, that I might watch like a scary movie. Ooh, okay. But if mm-hmm. I'm having a sad day, then I'll watch a sad something so I can cry it out. Yeah, no, I I get that. I love that you are in sync with your emotions. My my Philly comes out, and I'd be like, "Where is the people throwing the bottles?" No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling on myself, let me cut it out. <laughs> Sasha, <laughs> Sasha, where can people get more information about you and this beautifully penned book, Miss Me Always? Miss Me Always is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble online. Um, I am on Instagram under author Van House. So if you want to slide into my DMs, I'd be happy to s- sign a book for you. Um, tell me about your journey and I'd love to connect. Be be mindful, guys. Jeff is watching. Okay, so when you're sliding in those DMs, mind your manners. <laughs> Although I probably immediately read to him what was happening. So, <laughs> oh, I I definitely do. Yeah. I'm like, don't he quiet, but be very mindful. He is observing and in protective mode at all times. <laughs> I'm with you completely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have any other words of wisdom or any last details that you want to share with the women and men that are listening to this saying, thank you. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the inspiration. Can't wait to get the book, but I'm so honored by your story and just what you've shared in this 20 minutes. Anything else you want to give them? Uh, my, my other message is to advocate for yourself, no matter what the situation is. Believe in what you feel. Because if you, nobody can advocate for you better than you can. And um, there are a lot of times that I wished I had spoken up more. So that is definitely something that, to think about. Hashtag advocate. Mm-hmm. I stand with you on that mm-hmm. all day. Thank you so much, Tasha. We appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability, and your willingness to do what most aren't. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. having me. It was very fun. And my it was a pleasure. Thank you. I, I did warn you that this was going to be fun. I did. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Balance Bowley listeners, thank you so much for staying tuned with us. If you are new to the BBP, then be prepared that I am not shy and I do ask ASK very unapologetically. I have two specific asks that I would like of you in this moment. The first is to think of someone in your ecosystem. You can come into your body, lower your shoulders, really open your mind. So who do you know who can benefit from hearing Tasha's story? Whether they have dealt with something physically from their body or they are maneuvering through the adoption vortex of sorts, whatever it is, if you know someone who feels alone, who felt like their story could never be heard or they had to bury their truth because it made other people uncomfortable, any of those things, please share this episode with them now. No explanation other than heard this dope interview, check it out. Don't put any of your context on it because that will sway what people feel like they are ready to hear and only they know what they are ready for. So thank you in advance for receiving and executing my ass. My second one is that you enjoy the balance of your day, but remember, 
do it boldly. 